even in the noise, God is present. He is there, even when tigers may appear. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we ask that right now that you would just help us to, to, to sift through the noise. Let us set aside what's happened this past week, maybe the things to come this coming week, that right now as we have come to hear your words spoken, as we've come together as a church family to worship you, that we would be able to hear you speak in the noise. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty precious name. Amen. So I got to tell you guys right off the bat, that video was meant for youth group. Um, I actually cut out a part of it that it's like, ladies, I'm like, ah, we don't need that on Sunday morning. It was a little too, and you know, hopefully no tigers or the occasional bear happen in your life. But I'm guessing most of us, that is a good representation, could be a good representation of our past week. The noise that is going on, the things that would overshadow God, they sometimes take over. So how do we focus in? So I have a question for y'all just to think about. When was the last time that you had a hearing test done? The appropriate response would be, what? Um, but, you know, think about it. When was the last time you had a hearing test done? Now, for most of us, maybe it was a recent physical that we had done, but I can say the last time I had one done, I was still in high school, so a while ago, um, but I remember sitting in the school nurse's office and they had the, those big headphones that were probably 20 years older than me. You put them on and they, they play those high-pitched frequencies and you're supposed to raise your hand when you hear, you know, and I'm not going to try to emulate one of those sounds because that would be scary, but you'd hear those high-pitched noises and like, yep, I hear that, I hear that. Well, I would say at that time, my hearing was the 2020 vision equivalent of hearing well. I, I aced it. I did really, really well. But I would be kind of nervous to know how my hearing is now being 33 years old and I've been doing live music for more than half my life and sometimes with noise-canceling headphones and sometimes all natural, just allowing the, the noise to come. Um, I've played with drummers that are way louder than Travis and I blame them for probably early onset hearing loss. Um, but it's definitely not... Um, but I will say that my, my family can attest to you, there may be the times where maybe dad doesn't hear super well. But I will say there's a word in the Johnson house that it, it's used the most often, and it is a word that in most marriages, it's the first word that starts a disagreement. What? Husbands and wives, you know, it's, it's, I'll, I'll blame the guys for once. It's usually us guys saying, what? Why'd you say, honey? You know, that's usually the, the what where it comes from. But now my family isn't suffering from hearing loss. My, my kiddos, they, they, their hearing's perfect, as is my wife's. But instead, we're all sufferers of a very common hearing issue that I think we all deal with at times. Selective hearing. Now, when I was very little, my parents took me to, uh, they, were, they were really worried, because they, they were like, Nate's not hearing very well. They were very concerned, so they'd call my name, they'd say, Nate, Nate. Or, you know, they, they try to interact with me, and I just, I kind of just ignored them. And they're like, they were really worried, like, something's wrong with Nate. Our perfect, I'm the, I'm the only boy, so I can say, our perfect little boy, they, he can't hear. So they chose to take me to, after a recommendation from their doctor, they took me to the U of I hospital on Iowa City, and uh, they, they ran the test. So the big headphones went on three-year-old Nate's head, and they explained to me, okay, you're going to raise your hand when you hear, when you hear a noise, just raise your hand. And three-year-old Nate's just sitting there smirking, going, I'm raising my hand. I'm, I, was, I was actually raising my hand even when there weren't sounds going. 
So the doctors, they, they told my parents that uh, Nate has a severe case of selective hearing. So, so my parents and I, we all got in the car and, and we headed home. Now, I've never heard my parents say this, and, and I'm, maybe they have, but I, I bet at some point they have thought that line that every parent uses at some point. I hope that God gives you a child just like you. And I just, just a quick aside on that statement, I, we have a lot of grandparents here. Did you think about that you were going to have to watch that kid at some point? I mean, that's, that's what I'm wondering with my kiddos right now. It's like, Mom, you guys said this about me, and now that, that has been passed along. But I will say, with kids of my own, I know that it is fully, that what was sowed is fully reaped in my dear sweet girls, all four of them. You know, Ellie, and some of you, you have gotten to see Ellie run around here at the church, and uh, she responds to every question, or when we call out her name, Ellie, what? It's, oh, and it's, and I, I know some of you, I've, I've told you about that. I know Jeff Mirama, I've, show, I've shown him. I'm like, watch this. And I'll say, Ellie, what? She could be, half, she could be somewhere else in the church. What? That's just her, her, her way of responding. Now, the twins, I mean, they're six, seven weeks old, so they don't really respond to, to much right now. They're just happy that we're feeding them and changing them and all those things. But as you, as you parents know, as time goes on, the babies start to respond and I love it right now. Both, my, both the babies, they can both go cross-eyed. So it could be two in the morning, I'm feeding one, and Kaylee's just, I can't go cross-eyed. That's Christine's ability. Um, but all my girls can do it. I can't. Uh, but they just, they look up at me, so they know, like, oh, that's dad. He's right there. <clears throat> but then there is Becca, dear sweet Becca. And we're starting to find that she listens to everything, and repeats everything, too, which is a really fun trait that she's picked up. And this especially happens if her name is said. She knows Becca, Rebecca, Rebecca Grace. If those names are dropped, she knows, and she focuses in. And she knows that we're talking about, hey, they're, mom and dad are talking about me. Or if they, she sees that Christine and I, if, if we're trying to deal with something and it's a serious conversation, she picks up on these things. She focuses in, laser-focused. But I will say she does have her times where she gets a hold of a cell phone, might be her own, and she gets on to PBS Kids and starts watching Daniel Tiger, or she gets playing with her dolls, and selective hearing rears its ugly head, and we could say her name, and she would just would not acknowledge us. I'm guessing what I just described fits most families that have kiddos and teenagers as well, and wives, husbands as well. Um, sorry to pick on us, guys. But let me just paint a picture for you all. This is a, a scene that I want you guys to kind of visualize right now. Say it's Saturday morning. It's about 7 a.m., 7.30. Dad's been making pancakes and bacon in the kitchen. Mom has brewed the coffee. And after a long week of school, work, gymnastic practices, games, play rehearsals, everyone is gathered around the kitchen table having breakfast. And all eyes are focused on a phone or a tablet, maybe the newspaper, but most likely phones and cell phones, or cell phones and tablets. But no one's talking. No verbal communication is happening because all conversations are being typed out, snapped, DM'd, etc. So dad, being dad, decides, I'm going to ask a question. How was school this week? Crickets. Absolute silence. No response. 
that asks another question that I think will elicit a response. Who wants the last piece of bacon? And all-out chaos ensues. Who wants that last piece? What about for you when you're at work? Is there times where you feel unheard? As we've all been returning to our workplaces, everyone got really efficient at using digital communication, for the most part. Whether it was email, or texting, or Slack, or Zoom, we all got really good at it. But now, we're in person again. We're around people. We see faces. But we've kind of lost our ability to do small talk. I mean, we can still talk about the weather, but there's just this thing that we've lost. We've lost the ability just to say hi, and, and, and now we can see each other's smiles again. Like, that's one of the things I love being able to see faces again and being able to smile at people and just, hey, see you there. We get bogged down and stressed out in the frenetic pace that we have in our lives. From day to day, things just, they just get to us, and there are times where we miss out on some things, whether it's our responsibilities, the needs of the urgent, and the hurry of our lives just takes over. And the thing is, is we're bound to miss our boss telling us, hey, I need that report by Friday. Or maybe your child is saying, hey, I need help making this paper mache solar system. Uh, there are the things that come up. Maybe a bill gets paid late. And maybe in all of our bogged down and stressedness, we missed out on God speaking. God speaking. Did you ever think that the creator of the universe, God, would take time to speak to you, that he would want to speak to you. The almighty, the great I am, the one who fights our battles as we sing about, he wants to talk, talk to me. Now, most churchgoers, we've heard this. We have heard this time and time again, and we've, but we've at least heard it once in our lives, if not many times, and we take great comfort in the fact that God wants to communicate with us. He wants to talk to us, and he wants to be a part of our lives. And to those who don't know this fact, we need to be telling them, church, we need to be sharing, God wants to be a part of your life. But why don't we share that? Why do we, you know, we, we just talked back in the fall about our one. Why don't we take the time? And I, 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 it could be all the usual things, fear of rejection, um, not knowing what to say. I know that's, that's me sometimes. Or thinking that we're going to screw up and the one is doomed. I mean, that's, that's a reality that we, that we grapple with. But I will say the questions are what get me. I like to be prepared. I like to know what I'm going into and not just have, hey, I got a question, you know, and please, no questions. Um, but this past spring uh, at the bridge, we went through a series called Can I Ask That? And, uh, and it focused on questions about the Christian faith. And we had some really big rock issues like, is the Bible true? What does it say about, what does it say in scripture about homosexuality? Can science and faith coexist? But what was interesting and very challenging and kind of hard to hear was the actual questions that the students wrote in. I had them write it in, a little piece of paper, and I've got them sitting in my office because sometimes it's fun to go back and, and read some of them, but it's also an encouragement for what to, it's, hey, it's stuff to talk about in the fall. So I'm going to read a couple questions for you guys, so enjoy. Who wrote the Bible? How often do you go to Steam Anchor in a week? Or 392, you know, pick your coffee shop. Uh, what happened to the dinosaurs? How did you get your, how did you meet your wife? Not get your wife, how did you meet your wife? That was, <laughs> that would have been a very weird question to answer. Uh, why does God let bad things happen? Why do I feel distant from God? Is God listening when I pray? They go from 
silly but serious. I, I let them write in silly questions too. Um, are there times where you feel like you're not being heard? In your day-to-day life, whether it's family or work, we deal with this in this. We all do. And we deal with selective hearing as well. And we get lost in the noise. But what about when we talk to God? Do you feel like there's a distance there? Wondering, oh my God, where are you? Are you even listening? These questions, I know they plague me sometimes. I'll be honest, they plagued me this past week as I'm preparing about talking about a message about hearing God's voice. These are questions that come up. Well, today we're going to dive into a story where God, he seemed distant at first, but in reality, he was just waiting for the right time to enter in. So our story today comes from 1 Samuel 3, and it's a Sunday school favorite because the main character is a child, and it's the future prophet Samuel. Now, Samuel was born for greatness. His mother, uh, Hannah, she was unable to have children, so one night she went to the, the temple, and she was, like, crying out to God. She was praying, and uh, she prayed diligently, Lord, give me a child, so, and if you do, I will give him to the temple, and I, he will be raised in knowing the ways of God, and he's going to be dedicated, and the thing is, God being God, bing, he gave her a child, and so she gave him over to the head priest, Eli, to raise him in the ways of the Lord. Now, leading up to this story in, first, in the first two chapters, in chapter two, we read about Eli's sons. And if you're not familiar with the story, the very short version is they're not great guys. Like, go, you can go back and read. It's literally called, like, Eli's terrible sons or something along those lines. It's, it's in, in second, first Samuel chapter two. But they were not great guys. They defied God and they defiled the temple. But seriously, they were not really good guys. And it's because of this, Because of his son's actions, Eli receives a warning from a man of God that both his sons are going to die on the same day and that a godly man is going to be raised up and take over Eli's place. So enter in Samuel. And uh, there we go. This is our, our first part of our scripture for today. Now the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call, go back, and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down, in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel asked, speak, for your servant is listening. Now there's a few points to take away from from this this part of the story, and we're going to finish out the story in just a moment. But first, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. Why is this important? 
Well, we know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's in everything. He's everywhere. But why isn't he making himself known to the people at this time? Maybe it's because they were making very poor decisions. They were making decisions that allowed them to turn their backs on him. And they were doing their own thing. They said, I got this. We don't need God. And they chose to defy him. Now, I've heard it said a few times that God can be described as a gentleman, that he will speak or act when he means to. So over the next few verses, we read about this back and forth between God, Samuel, and Eli. And I must say, as a parent, I, and I know Eli is not his parent, but I commend Eli for his response each time to Samuel. Calmly and coolly, it wasn't me, go lie down. I don't think any parent would ever respond in that way if their kid kept coming to bug them three times in the middle of the night. In verse 7, we read, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now, why is this important? It's because it shows that God will communicate with those who don't know him yet. And this is huge. This is very important for us to realize. When you read stories of God speaking to Muslims in the middle of the night and they choose to follow him, this is big news. Or recently, this was very recent in the news, uh, there was, uh, there's an atheist society in Kenya, and one of the main leaders decided, I believe in God now. He chose to follow God. And it can only be explained by God's intervention. And this is so amazing. God will use, he will speak to those even if they don't know him yet. Now finally, Eli realizes Samuel, Samuel is hearing God. And he tells him, go and lie down. And if, if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel, he does this and the Lord speaks. So let's continue. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Never thought I would read the word tingle in Scripture, but there you go. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli that the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, answered Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. God speaks, and Samuel listens. He hears of what God is going to do to the family of Eli. And the next morning, Samuel must share this dire news with Eli. And Eli doesn't play around. And he might be a little grumpy because he got woke up three times in the middle of the night. Uh, but he's, he's, tell me what God said exactly. And Eli takes these words. He takes what Samuel's been told. He's almost at peace, like there's a calm there. Like God's going to do what God is going to do. In reading the story, we see that God will choose to speak when he wants to and who he wants to. So what must we do? What do we need to do to hear the voice of God? Listen. We need to listen. But how do we know what to listen for? These are the questions that might pop into your head. What do we need to listen for? Will we hear a voice? Does it sound like Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones? Do we hear it out loud, booming, or internally in our mind? To some, God's voice 
it can be scary. It can, it can be that loud, booming voice like, I am talking to you. Or it could be this comforting, encouraging voice. And it can be a source of wisdom. A.W. Tozer describes God's voice like this. And I'm going to read it out loud because that might be hard to read. Uh, this universal voice of God was by the ancient Hebrews often called wisdom and was said to be everywhere, sounding and searching throughout the earth, seeking some response from the sons of man. The eighth chapter of the book of Proverbs begins, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? The writer then pictures wisdom as a beautiful woman standing in the top of the high places by the way in the places of the past. She sounds her voice from every quarter so that no one may miss hearing it. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. Then she pleads for the simple and the foolish to give to her, give ear to her words. It is spiritual response for which this wisdom of God is pleading, a response which she has always sought and is but rarely able to secure. Listen to this specifically. The tragedy is that our eternal welfare depends upon our hearing, and we have trained our ears not to hear. Tozer points out that the voice of God is often called wisdom by the ancient Hebrews. And wisdom is a great place to turn. We all know this. We, we turn to wisdom when a tough decision comes in life or we don't know which direction to go. We know that we can lean into God and hear him speak. However, that final line, that final line, when I read that, I was, I was reading, this is from Tozer's book, God Still Speaks. Um, that final line just really cut to me. The tragedy is that our eternal welfare depends upon our hearing, and we have trained our ears not to hear. That line cuts deep. We have trained our ears not to hear. We've allowed too much noise into our lives. The different areas that we have given precedent over God, much like the video before, pizza, friends, the occasional bear, bear uh, Spotify, all the things that we allow to fill our ears and minds. We fall victim to the noise of life. And it's not just those things. It could be work. It could, could be family. There are the things that can get in the way of us hearing God. But God is still present, and he is that still, small voice saying, hey, I'm right here. We read in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Now, some of you farmers, I don't, some, maybe one of you has, someone has a sheep, they raise sheep, um, but most, if you don't know, sheep have pretty simple minds. Some would say they're dumb, but I say simple because they're just, you know, they're sheep. Um, but sheep, from the day they are born, they know two things. They know that mom is the provider of milk, and they know their master's voice. So often in scripture, we humans, we get compared to sheep. We may not know much, or we think we know much, but the truth is we will stumble and fail in life. It's going to happen. But we will know God's voice when we hear it. We just need to slow down sometimes to hear his voice. When we're in trouble or don't know which direction to go, what decision to make, we need to listen for his voice. When we listen to him, there are so many different things that we could hear from him. Now, maybe when you're listening, you realize and hear God has a purpose or a, new, a call in your life that you did not think possible before. Now, when I went away to college, 
couple years ago, um, I wanted to study music education. Obviously, I like music and I like teaching, so that seemed like a great idea to me. I wanted to be a high school choir teacher. I have great respect and, and really enjoyed choir in high school and was like, I want to do this for work. This is what my life is going to be. But God entered in and he had other plans in store for my life. At, I was four weeks into my sophomore year of college and really at a low place and God stepped in and said, Nate, it's time for you to go home. It's time for you to pursue the purpose that I have for you in your life and that's to be a worship leader and to be a pastor. And maybe God has, ha maybe you've had that moment with him and you have just realized you, God's given me a call and I need to follow it. But maybe instead of something along those lines, maybe it could be that God's trying to warn you about something. Maybe you're on a very dire path that maybe some bad things are going to happen. It may benefit you in the short term, but it could be in the long term. It could be really harmful to you or someone else in the process. Maybe it's not something so drastic. It could be a little, a little bit lighter than that. Maybe it's a move that you're about to make. You're feeling, this is where I need to go. And maybe it's a new job. It's a job that you're like, this is going to be really great for me, but is it going to be lining up with what God's called me in my calling or my purpose? Maybe it's a new relationship. There are all these different things that God could be saying, hey, let me speak into this. We need to recognize that God is always working in our lives. We must um, we just have to have our eyes and ear, our ears and eyes open to discern what is God speaking and what is the world, what is not God speaking. When we read scripture, we are reading the spoken word of God. In Romans 10, 17, we read, So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes from the word of Christ. Our foundation of faith is built on our knowledge gained from scripture getting to know of God. And we often come with our needs and desires. It's usually done in prayer. Oh, Lord, help me in my need. But the thing is, is God hears that. He does hear that. And God wants to know us. He wants to know us intimately. But what, me, what, what we must realize is that God is still speaking, and he's not done. The Bible may be written, but God is not done speaking. And he wants us open our ears, open our hearts and our minds, and listen to what he has to say. And we need to live into that, that God is still speaking. He's speaking to me, and he's speaking to each and every one of you. So as we close, I've got a couple questions for you guys to ponder over the next week. They all look very similar, but yeah. What would it look like if the world took more time to listen to God? What would it look like if our church took more time to listen to God? Let me just say, I know this isn't saying that we're not listening, but what if we listened more? To go a little deeper, what would it look like if your family took more time to listen to God? And what would it look like if you took more time to listen to God? Now today, the focus was hearing the voice of God. I, like I said, Pastor Scott's out for the next few weeks, and so he, he said, Nate, go for it. You can make up your own series, and here we are. One down. Um, this first week was hearing. And next week, we're going to focus on knowing the voice of God. What does it mean to know the person of God? And we'll finish in two weeks with what does it mean to be following 
the voice of God. So we can't just hear it and not know it and not follow it. We can't get to that point without the first two. So church, I, I look forward to sharing these messages with you as we, as we go over the next few weeks. And um, as we close, I do want to remind everyone the one announcement that I forgot, we do have the short business meeting after the, mess, uh, after the service today, and that's just to approve uh, the new deacons and elders. So, got to get that plug in. But church, my encouragement to you this week, and I know I'm, I'm personally having to practice this right now, is, is find five minutes. Find five minutes every day, whether it's sitting on your couch, hopefully people, you know, your family's asleep, or you're just able to find time, and we're all used to when we do our prayer time, maybe you pray out loud, because that's just how you like to pray, or maybe you're an internal prayer, that's how I pray. Um, instead of talking, spend five minutes listening, and it might drive you crazy, and if you're like me and you need to talk, don't. Take that time and just say, God, I'm here, and if anything, you've got five minutes of quiet. And maybe that's what God's needing for you right now, is that five minutes of quiet. But maybe, just maybe God will speak into your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we look to you. Lord, we ask that you step into our lives, that you would take time to open our hearts, that we would be aware of your presence, that we would hear your voice. God, much like Samuel we pray that maybe if we don't know your voice, that we would get to know your voice. And God, that um, we'd be able to speak that into others' lives and that we would be able to share just the goodness of your love. We love you, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty, precious name. Amen.